Martha Lambert went missing in 1985 at the age of 12. Police insist they know she was murdered, and they know who did it, her brother. Yet they can't find a body, and they don't seem to have a solid theory of how the murder occurred. So what is the full story of little Martha Lambert's death? Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special mini-sode of Killing Miss and Hidden. I knew several of you were just suffering from Brad withdrawal, so I, I wanted to do my part to improve the quality of your lives. I also think this is our first mini-mystery of the year, which is just ridiculous on my part. I apologize sincerely. I know you can't just handle one episode a week for such long periods of time. I'll try not to let this happen again. It's also been a spell since we've done a missing person story, though this one kind of straddles the line between missing person and murder, depending on which side of the story you're drawn to. We're talking about the disappearance of Martha Jean Lambert from Florida, a case suggested by our very own listener, Alex. Thank you so much, Alex. This is why we love you. You will have your own dedicated wing of the Killing Missing Hidden Complex once we get the funding in place to make that happen. All right, so here we go. Martha was born in March of 1973 and grew up in Elkton, Florida. That's about 10 miles away from St. Augustine or about 45 miles south of Jacksonville for a more recognizable landmark. Or how about this? How about this? About 125 miles north of Walt Disney World. That's kind of the ultimate Florida landmark, right? So there you go. Now, Martha didn't have the greatest childhood. Her father was a severe alcoholic who had an explosive temper, and her mother was also burdened with a very fiery temper, which resulted in the parents fighting a lot. Martha had two brothers that were described in a couple of reports I read as strange. No elaboration there. They were just odd boys, I guess. Now, due to the unstableness of the family and rumors of child abuse, Martha and her brothers found themselves in foster care fairly regularly. Her brothers were also apt to run away from time to time, which really isn't that unusual under these circumstances. Now, Martha inherited her parents' feistiness, but she tried to use those powers for good. She kind of served as the peacekeeper in the family, particularly when it came to disputes between her brothers. Now, despite her crazy life, she loved her family very much, particularly her mom. She also loved going to church, and despite really not getting good grades, she adored school. She was also on her local soccer team, and she was a pretty outgoing and friendly girl. Um, she, she had a certain moxie to her that made you think she was going to succeed despite all these obstacles life had put in her way. Now that year, Martha was really looking forward to Thanksgiving, which fell on November 28th, because her family was going to spend all day at her grandmother's house. But November 27th of 1985 was the last time anyone saw Martha. She left class at the end of the school day and 
She went to go visit a friend. She stayed at the friend's house until around 7.30 that night, but then she just never made it home. Martha was officially reported as missing to police around 3 o'clock the next morning. Initial search efforts were hampered as police claimed that the family members really gave conflicting and oftentimes inconsistent stories about what went down on the 27th. But these details weren't released to the press or they just eluded me. Now, I did find out that the dad told police Martha and her older brother David left the house after the dad got angry for the turkey being burned. But that didn't really jive with the other facts. You know, Martha supposedly disappeared after walking home from a friend's house. And the turkey wasn't cooked until the next day on Thanksgiving, you know. Because of stories like this, police couldn't make much progress on finding Martha. No one could really offer any useful or reliable information. They searched State Road 207 there that Martha just had to walk home by. She just had to travel down this road. But they didn't find anything. They interviewed all the homeowners on that road. Some said they saw Martha walking. Some said they saw her get off that road and head west down Carrie Lynn Road that night. And a few others reported seeing a green van driving through the area that had never been seen before. But again, none of these leads really amounted to anything, and police kind of got nowhere. Now, David had a particularly hard time telling police a consistent story. He originally claimed to have seen Martha getting into a strange black car again, we're working under this assumption that Martha never made it home, so how did he see this? When police questioned David about the details of his story, he said, okay, look, Martha told me where she, that she was going out that night, but she refused to say where. Authorities were forced to conclude that Martha just ran away. They, of course, considered foul play, but they couldn't develop a theory. They just knew what mixed up facts they had in front of them and considering the family and the history they thought runaway was most likely now meanwhile martha's mom began championing the abduction theory and many others in the area were sympathetic and believed this to be the case as well to their credit police did heavily investigate this possibility but they never found any credible evidence that supported the theory in fact to this day several agencies still classify martha's case as a non-family abduction case. Now, for 15 years, not much happened. There was no evidence. There was no known suspects. No signs of Martha ever turned up. Then, in 2000, her brother David was arrested for attempting to pass a bad check. While he was being interviewed about this crime, David just out of nowhere blurted that he was responsible for Martha's death. He said he had killed her and dumped her body in an area known as the Pits on Holmes Boulevard. And specifically, he said he put her body in a mine shaft that was over there. So, of course, police swarmed the area. They searched everywhere for Martha's body, but they came up empty. Even when David pinpointed the exact location Martha's body should be found, nothing. Now, police kind of concluded that the confession was legitimate, 
but his mother claimed that David would often pull these stunts because he liked the attention these fabricated stories would get him. Based on this information, coupled with the lack of a body, prosecutors told police, look, just drop the investigation. We can't go anywhere with this. So the case goes cold again, just for another spark to come along. And it's kind of the same scenario. In 2009, David's with the police again, and this time he gives another confession. Here he says that he and Martha walked over to a convenience store. David gave Martha $20 that he had, and she spent around $4. They then walked to the abandoned Florida Memorial College to play in. Kids like abandoned buildings, you know. We all did it when we were young. While they were at the abandoned college, they got into a fight because Martha wanted to go back to the convenience store and needed more money. David refused, and Martha got mad. She took a swing and popped David in the mouth, as sisters are wont to do. I hope mine's listening to this. And then David kind of shoved her, as brothers maybe want to do. Um, However, David said when he pushed her, she was standing near some rubble, and she tripped over it, and when she fell, she landed in such a way that a piece of metal was protruding up, and it impacted the base of her skull and left a big bloody hole. Being terrified of what his parents would do, what the reaction would be, David claims he panicked, and he buried Martha in a shallow grave there at that abandoned college. He even mentioned having to use a broken metal road sign as kind of a makeshift shovel to dig the grave. Again, police are convinced. They believe his story. They claim that his body language is totally on point with someone confessing to a crime. And he was obviously unburdening something, in their opinion. Again, Mama isn't convinced. She's claiming David's just looking for attention. One detective is quoted in a one media report that if the reporter doesn't believe him, he'll give that reporter the hours of interrogation tape they have, and the reporter can make their own conclusions from that. So the police take David out to the abandoned college, and he points right where Martha's body was buried. And again, there's nothing there. Absolutely nothing. Now, allegedly, police claim cadaver dogs experienced a, quote, change in behavior, but they didn't truly catch a scent. So I don't know how much stock we can put into that. Now, sometime during the 24 years between Martha disappearing and David making that latest confession, some construction work had been done in the area, and police became concerned that Martha's body was either covered over by the construction work or unknowingly moved. Police have since been forced to close this case as the statute of limitations for a manslaughter charge has expired. And based on the story David told, that would be manslaughter, since he was not intentionally trying to kill her. Further, prosecutors have apparently told police time and time again that they're not going to bring any charges in this case without a body. Plus, you've got the fact that David was only 14 when Martha went missing or was killed, which adds another obstacle for prosecutors to overcome, and they probably don't want to fool with that. 
And some folks, including some of the police officers, say, you know, David really hasn't matured beyond that point. It's almost like he's locked in the mentality of a 14-year-old and has never grown up. Martha's mother continues to insist that Martha was kidnapped and holds on to the hope that her daughter is still alive. David has once again changed his story, claiming that he was telling the police what he thought they wanted to hear and that truly he had no idea what happened to Martha. He also blamed his mental and emotional disorders for forcing him to confess. Investigators publicly state they 100% believe David was behind Martha's death. And that's it. That's all we have on the case. Now, naturally, I've got a few thoughts. First, the police had no real hope of solving this case when the family couldn't even tell a coherent story about what occurred. Some reports say Martha came home after school, then went to a friend's house. Others said she went straight to the friend's house after school. We have the dad and David telling this weird story about the family getting upset about the burned turkey that they were going to eat the next day at their grandmother's house. So when or how did this turkey get burned? That doesn't make a lick of sense to me. I'm also curious why the police are just completely married to the idea that David has to be guilty. I understand they dealt with him. They saw him in person. They saw how he reacted when he confessed and all that jazz. But at what point did David offer any evidence that could be objectively verified? Well, from what we know of, never. Twice he's pointed to spots where Martha's body was buried by his own hands, and twice police found nothing. Nothing. No bones, no clothing, no blood, nothing. If Martha really did die, as David claimed, at the abandoned school, we also have the issue that there would have been blood everywhere in that location, such that it just couldn't be ignored. And this abandoned college wasn't in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't in St. Augustine. There's a fire station across the street from it. It doesn't strike me as likely for David to accidentally kill his sister and then bury the body in a shallow grave in such a busy area. Also, remember what I said about how far away St. Augustine is from Martha's house? It's 10 miles. Do we really think that two kids walk 10 miles sometime after 7.30 in November, you know, when it's going to be dark early, and then walked another 10 miles back? I understand, look, these kids didn't grow up in the greatest environment, but that's a long way to walk just to play. And it doesn't appear the police took this timeline into account in accepting David's story. Now, having just said that, it could explain why Martha wasn't reported missing until 3 a.m. That would give David roughly seven hours to get to the college and back. That's just under three miles per hour, assuming the death occurred quickly. If they played for an hour, he'd have to hoof it back at just over three miles per hour. You know, if David came home covered in blood, because he would be covered in blood in this scenario... His family would have had to help hide the evidence, making them all a party to Martha's death, but there's no evidence or reports that police ever investigating the other family members. And look, I'm not saying that Martha wasn't murdered or otherwise killed. I think her being missing for so long is proof enough of this fact, unless she was savvy enough to be able to escape 
and start a new life on her own at the age of 12. But I just don't see this ironclad evidence that David did it. He can tell the story, but he can't confirm it. So what do I think happened? If I'm putting down money on this one, I'm going to say she was abducted and killed or trafficked in some manner. But we don't really have any evidence to work with. She's disappeared. That's all we know. She's gone. So any conclusions I can draw are just going to be speculation. But I kind of fall in the David didn't do it camp. And so I view this one as a missing persons case. And with that, we'll wrap up our mini-sode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's Let's throw in a palate cleanser to formally close the book on this one. Here's a particularly bad one for you, okay? How do you make the number seven even? How do you make the number seven even? Just take away the S. That's all you have to do. It's nice and simple. All right, here's a promise I delivered on. Bad joke. All right, that's the show. Remember, we love it when you share. So share this with everyone. If you want even more KMH content, we've got some wild, weird stuff at our Patreon that you can access if you become a member. And again, it costs less than a Big Mac a month. And we aren't quite as gross as a Big Mac. So you come out ahead. Win-win. As always, please make sure you come back for our next story. Thank you again to Alex, our hero, for the story idea. And with that, Brad is out. Thank you for listening to Kellen Missing Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.